Hi everyone, uh, Thomas Mercier here and uh, Amanda Zerkowski, your host of the Deep Geeks Podcast. Um, we're doing the intro of the show a little bit differently today um, because um, on the 18th of August, which uh, at the time of this recording was this past Tuesday, uh, we learned the unfortunate news about the passing of Dale Howarchuk after a very long battle with cancer. Um, his His son, Eric announced the saddening news on Twitter and um you know we I, I still remember when Eddie Shack passed away me and Amanda were pretty heartbroken by this and we decided not to record a podcast on the day of his death um with Dale we were contemplating not recording an episode um maybe just record a separate one um you know just kind of like what we did for Eddie Shack. Uh, but Amanda and I decided we're just going to record it at the beginning of this uh, this episode. Uh, no intro, um, you know, no upbeat music. Um, we're going to obviously uh, dedicate this show uh, to Dale uh, and his family. Um, I know Amanda has a lot to talk about Dale. I do as well. Um, I once met Dale Howarchuk before I started my job with the Wolves. I met him very briefly. Uh, just talk to him quickly. Uh, he, very, very nice man. I mean, what what can you say about this man that wasn't positive? It, he really was that nice of a person. Um, everyone who he coached, uh, played with, he obviously had a huge impact. Um, I was talking to Jake Partridge the other day, who was a uh, a former race at Belfort Canadian. He played for Dale when he was still behind the bench for the Barry Colts, uh, and uh, I've reached out to him because he was pretty heartbroken by it. I told him, you know, even though your time in Barry was very brief, um, obviously Dale had a really big impact on him and a lot of people. And for myself and Amanda, he definitely had a huge impact on us. Uh, I I didn't really get to see Howard Chuck play growing up, which it, which is unfortunate. Uh, but I I'm well aware of the impact he had on the game of hockey, especially for you know the country of Canada, especially for the city of Winnipeg. What he did in Winnipeg put the Jets on the map, and I can't help but feel like he's pretty much partially responsible um, for the Jets coming back into the National Hockey League, and obviously this is heartbreaking news for everybody. It's It really is. Uh, Amanda, I know um, uh, I, I got the news after work on Tuesday. I literally just finished my shift, and then my mom gave me the phone call, and then I reached out to you. Um, you called a couple hours later. You had not known about the news. Uh, and I had to do the unfortunate business of breaking it to you. We've obviously had a few days to register this, but it's still not registering for me that Dale is gone at such a young age. Um, and stomach cancer took him from us for far, uh, far too soon. And this really is heartbreaking news. And I, I just wanted to get your whole uh, side of this. Um, you know, what kind of impact did Howard Chuck make, not just for the game of hockey, but for us as people? I think that uh, when you talk about Dale Howard Chuck, there's no question. Um, you know what he did for the city of Winnipeg, like you said, is uh, quite remarkable because he really put Winnipeg on the map. Um, mm -hmm. Dale Howard Chuck was a player that, you know his contributions both on and off the ice will never be forgotten. No. Uh, you know, you look back and, um, you know, everybody talks about that, that Lemieux and Gretzky goal from, from the 1987 Canada cup. And mm -hmm. it was, it was Howard Chuck that, 
won that face-off that passed the puck to Lemieux. And that's probably, you know, aside from maybe the the Sidney Crosby's golden goal, uh, one of the most prolific goals in Canadian hockey history. Absolutely. And and he was a part of that. Um, I think that Dale's contributions to the game as a player obviously earned him uh, a very rightful spot in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, Mm -hmm. Beyond that, his contributions to the game at the junior hockey level, uh, players who have played for Dale uh, have the utmost respect for him, the Barry Colts organization. He made a difference in the lives of a lot of players. Uh, And I think that, you know, if you had the opportunity to be coached by Dale, you're a better player and a better person because of it. Um, one of the things about Howard Chuck that uh, always impressed me was that he would always take the time to talk to anybody that wanted to talk to him. Uh, we've mm-hmm. seen him obviously in the media room uh, over the years. And I, I was lucky enough that like you said you never really got to see him play. I, I grew up during that era. So um, I, I definitely had the opportunity to see him play a couple of times, but uh For me, I think there was a message that was put out uh, not long ago by Kevin Collins, who is the president and CEO of Easter Seals, uh, Ontario. And I've had the opportunity to work with Easter Seals, Ontario on a number of projects uh, locally here in Sudbury. I've done uh, their Dancing with the Stars and Sing Like a Star. I've I've co-hosted those events and I've gotten to talk to Kevin uh, quite a bit. And one of the people that he always talks about was Dale Howardchuk. And Dale um, and his family gave a lot of their time uh, to Easter Seals. So uh, Dale was uh he hosted um a pancake breakfast and skate with the Barry Colts. Uh they did Easter Seals 50-50 at the Barry Colts game. Uh he was always a part of the Celebrities Golf Tournament, um the Celebrity Hockey Classic series. Uh Easter Seals also runs a camp uh, out of London that uh, kids get to go to every summer where it gives parents a break and uh, Dale would make the trip to the camp to make sure that he could, you know, meet the kids and, and talk to the counselors. Um, you know, he also ran his own golf tournament in Barrie. The list goes on and on. And one of the things that Kevin says about him is that he believed that it was his responsibility and that of his family to do whatever he can to give back but never expected any acknowledgement. And I think that that is such a true testament to, you know, Dale Howardchuk and, and his family, uh, you know, and the values that they've instilled in their kids. Um, one of the things that I think that we can do to, to help honor, you know, Dale Howardchuk and the legacy that he leaves behind is, uh, if anybody is able to please go and go to, uh, Howardchuk strong, uh, buy a shirt, donate some money if you can. Um, those uh, shirts and the money that's raised from that Howard Chuck Strong uh, are going to charities that, that meant a lot to uh, Dale Howard Chuck and his family. So I think mm-hmm. if there's any way that we can honor his legacy, it's by continuing to help others. And I, you know, I think his, his life was cut way too short. You know, cancer yeah. is... Unfortunately, uh, unforgiving in, in a lot of cases, and it 
does not discriminate against who you are, what you've done in your life, um, you know, where you've come from. It, it unfortunately takes far too many people way too soon. And uh, Dale is no exception to that. And I think that, you know, as a way in order to honor him, uh, I know our family, we're going to be going and picking out some shirts and making a donation to the Howard Chuck Strong Foundation. Yeah, you know what? Uh, now that you mention that, I'm actually on Howard Truck Strong right now. I'm about to, uh, I'm about to place an order because uh, I mean, the impact that Ben had um, on a lot of people was obviously um, very strong. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, this is really hard uh, to talk about without getting emotional because again, I've lost um, some family members from cancer—not stomach cancer per se—but um, it, it's it's still never easy. And just because, you know, Dale's such a likable person, it's, it, it really, it really hits hard and it, it's still really, really hard to process right now. Um, and like Amanda said, if, if, uh, you can please make a donation to Howard Truck Strawn, um, it, it starts from as low as $10, uh, buy a hat, buy a shirt, there's sticker packs, um, you know, for hockey players, if they want to put stickers on their helmets, uh, t-shirts, just make a donation. Um, it, it, it'll go a long way. Um, it, and again, it, it's just really, really tough to think about this happening, um, to anybody. Uh, you know, we're, we're not invincible. This, this stuff happens all the time and sometimes it happens to the nicest people and it really is unfortunate. Um, you know, I was obviously very emotional the day they announced his passing. Um, it's, it, it, it's just not fair. Um, it really isn't. And, you know, I've, I've talked, um, to a couple people I've talked to, you know, obviously I talked to Joe a little bit. Uh, obviously Joe really liked Dale. Uh, they've obviously known each other for a long while. Um, and it's, it's still really, really devastating, um, to even think that this happened, um, and can happen to anyone. And I mean, his, his legacy in, you know, started in junior. He, he was a two-time Memorial Cup champion with the Cornwall Warriors, and that team back then was unbelievable. He was incredible, uh, was, um, just such a great player and it, he made an immediate impact as soon as he arrived in Winnipeg. I mean, he won the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Uh, he was part of the NHL second all-star team. He won multiple championships, like uh, Amanda mentioned, uh, uh, one big face-off win to clinch the Canada Cup. Um, he's been to multiple world championships and, of course, was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, was the class of 2001. Um, and he was the first player to record 1,000 points and only player to play 1,000 games before the age of 31, which is still unbelievable to think about. Uh, because that's how good he was the moment he arrived to Winnipeg. And, I mean, his his number still hangs in the rafters to this day and will be there forever. But just it's hard um, to think about this. But, again, um, like Amanda said, his amazing work, you know, on the ice, off the ice, with the coaching, uh, with Easter Seals, and, and, you know, being part of this cancer research, uh, it, it's really... It's really great work that he's done. It's just a shame that cancer had to cut his life as short as it did. And again, he was only 57. And that's 
that that's far too young and i'm almost halfway to 50 i'm i'm turning 25 in november it's really scary to think you know um with my family's history of rare forms of cancer especially skin cancer you know it's very it's scary to think about but all we can do is try to do our best and try and help other people with these situations and um you know obviously you and i amanda know him not just from his work in winnipeg but i mean with the Barry Colts, he was an amazing coach. And, you know, that, that Barry team was going through a rough patch at the time. Dale came in, really turned that team around, helped coach some really amazing players over the years. Um, and, you know, when they announced that he was going to be uh, stepping off the bench um, for his cancer treatments, it was obviously really sad news that uh, he had to step off the bench, but we understood the circumstances uh, we were hoping maybe he'd make a return, but of course that that's unfortunately not going to happen. Um, you know, you've seen uh, Dale behind the bench with Barry um, over our years of uh, you know being um, associated with the Wolves and following this team as long as we did. Dale was a player's coach first, and he, that's really what made him unique behind the bench. Yeah, he. You know. It's hard to, to kind of formulate what you want to say, obviously, in, in a situation like this. But you look at, at what he has done with that Barry Colts organization and, and the players that have come out of that organization that he helped develop. And you have guys that are are making you know headway in the NHL now from, from who have gotten to, you know, be coached by by Dale and I think that um, it's really nice that before the pandemic hit that there was a night where Dale was actually able to uh, go out on the ice prior to a game in Barrie um, mm-hmm. and I- I'm happy that that was able to happen because I think that that was uh you know, very fitting considering everything that was, that was going on. And, you know, he rang the bell in April of, of this year to symbolize the completion of his final round of chemo and, mm-hmm. you know, begin that road to recovery and, and the cancer came back with a vengeance. And, you know, for me, this whole, um, Howard Chuck strong that has been started, uh, you know, they, they go on to talk about, you know, his first mission following ringing that bell was to use the platform to launch an initiative that would raise awareness and give back to the healthcare community. And mm-hmm. I think as much as, you know, what he did on the ice and who he was on the ice, it this was a, a man of great character and you, you can't, um, you can't replace guys like this. And no. um, for what he has done, I think throughout his career, throughout his life, uh, he leaves behind uh, quite the legacy. And yeah. um, I think all I can say is, you know, you know, may 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 Ducky rest in peace. And yeah. uh, you know, thoughts and well wishes to his family during this very difficult time. Yeah, I, on on behalf, uh, you know, of Amanda, um, myself, and the show, uh, just want to extend our condolences to uh, Dale's family, uh, his friends, 
um, you know, all of his teammates from the past, uh, players that he he took under his wing with the Barry Colts. And you think about, you know, players that he's coached like Mark Shifley, um, Aaron Ekblad, they're, they're both in the NHL and they were um, hit really hard with this news. Um, so again, on behalf of the show, uh, we extend our condolences to the Howard Chuck family. Um, very, very difficult time right now. It, it's still difficult to this day. This this is not going to be forgotten um, for the next, I would say, couple weeks. You know, I'm I'm still mourning his death, and it, it's it, it's really hitting hard. And that that just shows how great of a person and player Dale really was. And he he's going to be dearly missed. Um, and again, please. Make a donation to HowardTruckStrong.com. Uh, it, it's worth your money, um, whether it's just a simple donation or buying, you know, a sticker or a hat or a shirt. Please go to HowardTruckStrong.com. Make a donation. It's for a great cause, um, and it'll help uh, live in the memory of arguably, probably the greatest Winnipeg Jet of all time. Uh, Dale Howardtruck was fifty-seven, and we'll miss him every day. So, Dale, thank you for everything you've done for the game of hockey no one can ever replace what you've done so thank you for that and uh until we see you again uh god rest and uh, god bless thank you wow that's um that's it's you know amanda we have had um We've had people in our lives, um, you know, that have left us far too soon, myself included. Um, and obviously, a lot of people can relate to losing someone, uh, you know, as loving as Dale Howardchuck was. Um, and it still hits pretty hard right now. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I can say the same for you, but I mean, this it's still heartbreaking news to think about. And, uh, I, I think this was the right way to open up the show to honor Dale's memory, uh, what he's contributed to the game of hockey, not just in Canada, but for, you know, the city of Winnipeg, for the Barry Colts, uh, just everything he's done for the game of hockey. And I just don't think we can ever repay that debt of gratitude for him. No, I, I think that was the perfect way to open the show because I think that, um, you know, there may be people listening, wondering, okay, well, why are why are they so upset about this? Well, you know, being a part of of the media in the junior hockey level, uh, you have a lot of access to uh, players, coaches, media room before the game, uh, and it's depending on who you're talking to. Uh, there are some coaches that are more approachable than others, of course, but uh, Dale was always a guy that came into the room and everybody gravitated to. You always wanted to go and talk to Dale. Uh, I remember doing the call for a game um, in Barrie one night against uh, North Bay, and uh, I was in the room with, uh, you know, Sukram, so uh, Matthew yep. Sukram, and uh, we were sitting and chatting with Stan at the time because Stan was still the head coach at the time. And, you know, Dale comes into the room and, yes, we're in Barry, but it's just everybody gravitated. Like, you know that some people just have that pull. And it's not that they command the attention because mm -hmm. that's not at all what it was with him. 
it was just people gravitated to him because of who he was and and how he conducted himself. And to me, that's just such a testament of of who he was. So you know, right. I, for sure, that's going to be a memory that sticks with me. I you know, I've had the opportunity to to chat with him a few times, and um, <clears throat> you know, incredible man, truly incredible yeah. man. So uh, I think that this was a great way to open the show and you know get into. Uh, the other things that we need to talk about, of course, with so much ho- happening right now in the hockey world, uh, you know, and I think it's it's just a really good segue. Uh, it's it is a good segue, but I think it's kind of hard to segue it into is. this af- a- after uh, after what we just talked about because <laughs> uh, I I'm on the cusp of crying, not gonna lie, but need to need to move on. But that's definitely the right way. Um, to open up the show. Um, from a coaching standpoint, one coach no longer has a job, and that's how we'll uh, uh, start with our um, talking segment in reference to the playoffs. Uh, the Washington Capitals have announced that Tom uh, Todd Reardon, pardon me, has been fired as head coach of the Washington Capitals uh, earlier today, actually, at the time of this recording. And this was three days after Washington was eliminated by the Islanders. Uh, and by the former Capitals head coach Barry Trotz, which I think is poetry and work, to be honest. Um, no immediate replacement for Reardon behind the bench. And I mean, during Reardon's time, uh, he was only in Washington for two seasons, mind you. An 89-46-16 record, finishing first in the Metropolitan Division for each season, but being bounced in the playoffs in the first round in both of those seasons and they lost to the hurricanes last year in that, in that seven game series. Um, some people are calling this knee jerk reaction. Some of them, some people are calling this, you know, should have happened after last season in which I say, you're really going to fire a coach after one season, even though you won the Metro, you're one of the best teams just because you got bounced by Carolina. I think that's kind of a knee jerk reaction. I can see some people's point of having to fire Reardon, but after two seasons, feels a little soon, does it not? Well, and you know, two seasons behind the bench as head coach, he he did serve, uh, I believe it was four years uh, as an assistant uh, associate under Trotz, and was part of obviously the Capitals when they won in uh, 2018. Now, I think that we were talking about this before we w- we went on to record this podcast. To me, this isn't necessarily a coaching issue. <laughs> this is a team that really didn't show up in the playoffs. And, yeah. you know, blame it. Yes, the blame tends to fall to the coach. We see it all the time uh, because you have to put the blame somewhere, right? So, um, mm-hmm. One of the things with the Washington Capitals this season that a lot of people have talked about is that this was a Capitals team that lacked discipline all season. This was Mm -hmm. a Capitals team, uh, you know, that really, (sighs) since 2018, yes, okay, it's great that you have a great regular season, but the regular season only gets you into the playoffs. That is mm-hmm. not going to carry you through the playoffs. And if you don't take your game to another level, which two years in a row we have seen them not take it to another level, uh, you're going to have some issues and there's going to be some changes. Um, last year, like I think, would have been an absolute knee-jerk reaction. I, I think that he obviously needed a little bit of time, but 
based on what has happened, you know, in two playoff uh, series now in two separate years, it, it was time. They needed to do something. Something needs to, I think that it's not just a coaching change that needs to happen, though, in Washington. I think there needs to be a real shakeup of that lineup um, because it's just not, something's not clicking there right now. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously Washington has a lot of big decisions to make this offseason, and Reardon was the start of it. Um, and this Washington team um, clearly did not play up to snuff in the playoffs. I mean, they got bounced very quickly by the Islanders. Um, and there's going to be quite a few changes. And looking at Cap Friendly... Um, Looking at some of the contracts that are expiring, not just this year, but next year, um, you know, Ovechkin's contract is up next year. Does he re-sign for a couple more seasons or does he call it a career? Because $9.5 million for an aging Alex Ovechkin is quite a lot of money, um, to be honest. But, I mean, the Caps and Ovi got their cup. So, you know, mission accomplished on that regard. Uh, Jakob Verona's contract is up the same year as Ovechkin's expires. He's an RFA. Uh, Travis Boyd's an RFA this offseason. Ilya Kovalchuk's a UFA this year. Does he come back or does he call it a career? In my honest opinion, I don't think Kovalchuk comes back as a Washington Capital. I personally don't even think he plays in the NHL next season. I think he either goes back to Russia or his career is over. Um... You look at their defense, Radko Gudis is UFIA. I personally, you know, I, I was not a fan of Radko Gudis a few years ago, but he, he's still a strong defensive uh, part of that team. So maybe you re-sign him to just beef up your defense a little bit. Uh, Brendan Dillon's a UFA this offseason. Uh, Jonas Siegenthaler's at the end of his entry-level contract. He's an RFA do you extend him? Do you offer him a contract or let someone else take him? And, of course, the biggest one, Amanda, is the goaltending. Brayden Holtby's contract is done. Now he becomes a free agent. Do the Capitals move on from him? I personally think yes, because Ilya Samsonov is clearly going to be the next starter for this team, and his contract expires next season. So the Capitals have a lot of interesting moves to make, especially with Connor McMichael coming up. Uh, from junior next year, you would have to imagine he's going to play for this Capitals team next year. Uh, Garrett Pilon's coming up in the ranks as well. Uh, and then you look at uh, Alexander, Alexander Alexiev. Uh, maybe Fahavari comes up uh, time and time again. And then, of course, the recent signing of Zachary Fakali to a one-year deal. I can't help feel but signifies that they're going to sign enough goalies to maybe move on from Brayden Holpe and make some cap room so they can either sign Ovi for a couple more seasons or try and blow up this team and try to get successful again. Yeah, and I, I think that everything starts with Ovechkin, right? We, he's in his last year of his contract um, on that wild contract. <laughs> the what is it, $134 million or something that he signed something back in uh, 2008, I believe. I think it was let's 2000. Take a, yeah. Let's take a look here. Yeah, you know uh, the $124 million contract. Yeah, a 13-year deal, yeah. which is, I mean, makes you a capital for life. There was no way they're moving on, but, I mean, he was signed to this contract uh, back in 2008 on January 10th. Yeah, and I think 
you know, a lot of things are going to depend on, on where Ovechkin is going to be beyond next season. Uh, mm-hmm. Does he resign in Washington? Uh, I think so. I think he's one of those guys that stays with Has the team to. for, you know, his career. He is he is the Washington Capitals. Uh, they've built that team around him. Um, but I think, for me, the biggest question comes down to goaltending because most likely we have seen the last time he'll be dresses in Washington Capitals uniform. So You would have to think so. Yeah, and I think that uh, this is a team that, that needs to go, I think, through a little bit of a rebuild uh, because of the juggling that needs to happen. Um, you know, with the cap being frozen, it there's not a lot of wiggle room here. So no. they need to, they definitely need to make some big changes and uh, obviously fall under that 81.5 million uh, cap uh, zone. So they need to make sure that they're within that. And I, I think that because of that and because of the contracts that they do have and looking ahead at the future, specifically with Ovechkin as being that big piece of the puzzle, because ultimately if, if they're going to continue with Ovechkin and Ovechkin wants to stay in Washington, then everything needs to revolve around, around that piece of the puzzle. So mm. um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I think there's going to be a lot of changes in, in, in Washington over this off season. In terms of the vacant coaching space, um, I, I feel like I know who the Capitals might go after. There's obviously a couple big coaches that are uh, that are available, but who do you think Washington goes after to be their next head coach? Oh my gosh, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that one. Um, I want to hear your answer first, and then I'm going to give a wild off the cuff response. <laughs> I can't help but feel like they might go after Gerard Gallant. Okay. Because, I mean, he he's... he, The fact that Vegas fired him under the circumstances was beyond me, and the replacement was Peter DeBoer, which is even more mind-boggling. But, I mean, Gerard Gallant, in, in those seasons with Vegas, turned them into early contenders. I mean, even without him this year, this Vegas team is still contenders. Um, and we'll talk about Vegas in just a moment. But Gerard Gallant's without a job right now, and I think he might be first in line for the Capitals. But I want to hear your off-the-cuff uh, pick of who you think Washington's going to go after. It's not who I think they're going to go after. You want to know who I would love to see back coaching in the NHL? If you say Babcock, I swear to God. <laughs> it's Babcock, isn't it's it? It's not Babcock. <laughs> okay, thank God. Thank God. Uh, I would absolutely love to see Ted Nolan behind the bench again in the NHL. Ooh, that is off the cuff. Yeah. Why Ted Nolan? Uh, I have the utmost respect for Ted Nolan. Uh, what he did in juniors, and I don't think that he necessarily got the best opportunity with the best group of people in the NHL. And I think that, like, he's <sighs> been coaching, I believe, in Poland. Um, and I... Honestly, if Ted Nolan was able to to coach again in the NHL, I'd be one happy person. I, I absolutely uh, have the utmost respect for him. Uh, he was a family friend as well of of my grandfather's, and uh, yeah, 
I, I think that <laughs> if you want to go off the cuff, there's your off the cuff response. I would love to see him coach in the NHL again, period. That's just that's that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's a pretty interesting pick, to be honest. I was I completely forgot about Ted Nolan to be brutally honest. I I, I mean, you're right. That Buffalo group that he was working with was not the greatest. It was far from the greatest. Um, and he actually has not coached since 2017-18 with the uh, the Polish men's national ice hockey team. So he has not been coaching for about the last two to three years. Yeah. So, yeah, may, maybe Nolan makes a return to the NHL. Who knows? Like I said, I, off the cuff. <laughs> very off the cuff. Uh, it would be a surprise move. I I think personally, if you if you do hire Nolan, honestly, man, I think it's a step backwards because you're trying to move forward. And I think the best candidate for Washington would be to get Gerard Gallant back. Oh, I don't disagree with you at all. I don't disagree with you at all. I think that that is the right choice. I think that's who they need to go after. I just think that there are going to be more than one coaching change that happens over the next little while. Uh, and I would love to see Ted Nolan's name in there somewhere. That's that's all I'm going to say. Because he's, prob- he's, he's probably in the conversation. But there have been people that said to bring Mike Babcock. But no. after, after what happened you know, in Toronto and the stories about him coaching in Montreal, I don't think he sees the NHL for the next little while, if at all. So I I don't think he's in that running, but you know, n- never know. Babcock and Ovechkin, ooh, like ooh, oil ooh. and water, not going to oy work vey. for you. Oy vey, oy vey. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if that would be a good mixture. So hopefully Washington doesn't make that move. Uh, one move that has happened, Amanda. I'm very interested. You get your opinion on this, and I know that you're fired up about it. <laughs> so let's get right into it. Um. Mike Milbury. Ah, yes. Um, People know the story of how much of an idiot this guy has been since entering the bubble. And, you know, it all started with that one tweet saying he was walking around Toronto um, looking at the Space Needle because clearly the Space Needle resides in Toronto. Uh, His remarks in terms of getting rid of overtime in playoff games, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, And then... Um, he made a very interesting remark, um, in terms of the bubble, um, (laughs) and, uh, I'll, I'll read the quote of what was said on the broadcast. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Brian Boucher. Um, it was Carolina's announcer. I always keep forgetting his name. Um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, but it was Boucher. Uh, between the glass and Milbury was up on the color commentary spot. Um, and so Boucher, um, said, if you think about it, it's a terrific environment with regard to if you enjoy playing and enjoy being with your teammates for long periods of time, it's a perfect place. And then Milbury went on to say, not even any women here to disrupt your concentration, which sent an immediate firestorm on Twitter and people were calling for him to be axed. And it wasn't just because of his previous comments. This one was clearly the straw that broke the camel's back. And Mike Milbury has decided under his own power that he is going to be not appearing for NBC Sports' coverage of the playoffs for the rest of this year. Uh, 
because of his insensitive and insulting comments, uh, he's decided to remove himself, which um, I guess he made the right move. But does that mean, does that make him a coward so he doesn't get axed by NBC? Because there was a very good chance it might have happened. But I'm interested to hear your opinion, Amanda, because obviously you um, are obviously of the opposite sex. You work in the hockey industry. Um, this isn't in regards to females in uh, the broadcasting business, but it still obviously sends a really bad message. Even though people think this is blown out of proportion, I think it had to be done because Milbury has been saying some real stupid stuff since he entered the bubble. I'm going to let you go off on Mr. Railberry here. I'll shut up and I'll let you take the reins. You know what? I think it's not just this comment. I think that there have been so many comments that he has made, um, you know, including one where he was comparing the atmosphere of games being played without fans to women's college hockey games, uh, basically taking a shot at women's hockey. And, you know, it, it's interesting because, um, women's hockey tribune uh, basically took a shot right back at him and basically said, you know, it's interesting that, you know, he makes these comments about, and on this one, I'm talking specifically about, you know, women's college hockey games and how he's comparing that to, to life in the bubble and playing, you know, without fans. And, you know, there are women's college hockey teams that are getting more fans in the stands than the Detroit Red Wings were on some nights this season. Uh, you know, this is a guy that has also made quotes, uh, you know, and I quote, it's always good to have the building filled even when it's with low IQ Ranger fans. Uh, you know, you could go on and on about Mike Milbury and the really strong, stupid stuff that he says that comes out of his mouth. Uh, you know, it is great to be known, I think, as the worst GM ever in the history <laughs> of the league. Way to go, Mike Milbury. Um, yeah, he makes Eugene Melnick look really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that the comment that, you know, was the last straw, uh, I think for him... You know, yes, he's apologized, but I don't think he actually sees anything wrong with what he said. And, you know, to basically say that, oh, well, there's not even women here to distract you. I guess that's all women are to him is just a distraction. Like, I, it blows my mind that he still has a job, to be completely honest. And not because of, honestly, that comment from him is compared to a lot of the other stuff that he has said over the years. And I think it's now that we're starting to see, you know, these types of situations come up and, you know, NBC is saying, okay, or he's saying that I'm going to step away and I don't want to be a distraction. Well, you're not a distraction. You're a bloody fool. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, we've seen, Obviously, Don Cherry lose his job. We've seen uh, Jeremy Roenick be suspended. Jeremy Roenick, I could go on for hours. We've already talked <laughs> about this in another one. Uh, you know, I, again, there are, there are some things that I think that should be said, could be said. And then there are just some other things that it might be time to, like, filter a little bit about what you're saying. Uh, being a 
women, a woman, not a woman, (laughs) dear Lord, uh, a woman in this industry. And one of the things that um, I think I want to make known is that I don't get paid to do any of the jobs that I do, uh, whether it's with Eastlink, whether it's with the the show Lace Them Up, also with Eastlink, uh, anything to do with broadcasting. If I'm, you know, doing color on a radio broadcast, I'm not getting paid for this. I do this because I love the game of hockey and it is something that I am extremely passionate about and have been for a very long time. Uh, Even when I'm writing articles for uh, the paper, whether I'm writing an article for Hockey News North, which I was a part of for a while, I'm not getting paid to do this. So I'm not doing this because I'm getting a paycheck out of doing this. I'm doing it because for love of the game and being a woman in this industry is so difficult to begin with because there are often times where you are in a media room and I am the only female in the media room and I am ignored because I am a female in the media room. Uh, So it is very, very much a boys club and we're in 2020 and it is still very much a boys club. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I have to fight, I feel, twice as hard to have my voice heard because, you know, I can do all the research in the world and I can say the exact same thing as somebody else. And I said it first, but the person that said it after me was a man and that's the voice that they listen to. And and that's the reality in 2020, being a woman in the sports industry. And Mm -hmm. it, it is challenging There have been many times where I'm like, I just want to throw the towel in and walk away from this because I'm so frustrated because you want your voice heard. And it's not that you want your voice heard because you want to hear yourself talk. It's that you want your voice heard because you've put in the time and the effort to to research things, to learn, to, to grow. And the amount of time that I spend watching hockey or researching something... I have three kids. Like I should be maybe <laughs> playing a few more board games, but they understand that this is, this is something that I'm super, super passionate about. So to have a guy like Mike Milbury calling games and, and being a part of, you know, the NHL for me is just a slap in the face. And I think mm-hmm. that it should not just be a step back out of the playoffs. It, this needs to be based on what we've seen from other people that have made comments and like I said I don't even think that this is the worst comment that he's made by far but this is just one of the dumbest ones that he's made yeah and again you you referenced the one comment uh he made in reference to uh you know playing in empty arenas like playing at a at a women's college game it's not the first time he's made um made uh, insensitive comments about women uh, back in 2012. Uh, he said that then Penguins coach Dan Balsma should have taken off his skirt and gone over there during an in-game scuffle. He called Daniel and Henrik Sedin thumb on the Wies. Um And like you said earlier in the month, he made those uh, those comments about women's hockey. And it <laughs> he, he was probably going to get axed at some point. He was originally supposed to broadcast the game on Friday for Montreal and Philadelphia. 
and that did not happen. They sidelined him for it. So now Milbury has decided to step away after being benched. Um, and uh, again, I'll let you take the reins on this uh, because I, I think I already know the answer. Um, do you see his contract terminated by NBC after these playoffs are over? I think it has to be. And I don't... I don't say that in a way that is, uh, you know, coming from a malicious place. I, I just think that based on, on the precedent that's been set with other broadcasters being held to a certain standard, mm-hmm. I don't care if your name is Mike Milbury or Brian Burke or uh, Ron <laughs> McLean or, uh, you know, Colby Armstrong or, or whomever. If you're going to make comments like this, I need to throw in another name, Pierre Maguire. Uh, if you're uh, Pierre's, to- o- Pierre's okay. Pierre's uh, okay. I'm not saying that Colby has done anything wrong. I named my child after him. So well, and yeah, <laughs> I mean, great, he was a penguin, so of course you're going to love him until yeah. the end of time. <laughs> but I'm just saying a couple of guys' names in there. I don't care what your name is. If you are going to make comments like this, you need to be able to accept the consequences for your actions. And in in the in the world and where we are right now, Mike Milbury in no way, shape, or form should have a role where he has a microphone. Because the things that come out of his mouth, and although, you know, people there are people who love Mike Milbury for the off the cuff comments and, and, you know, the little one liners and here and there, but there's a time where you just need to kind of check it and be respectful. And, and some of those comments that he has made over the years, I think just amount to this was the last time that he should be able to have a microphone and make a comment such as that. Uh, But I think that, the right thing to do by NBC here is to uh, null and void his contract, buy him out, do whatever you need to do, fire him. I don't care, but uh, he shouldn't, he should not be in a position where he has given a microphone period. Mm -hmm. I can't help but feel like if NBC does terminate his contract, he's probably going to end up working with Jack Edwards for the Bruins network which I think would be a perfect match for him because he clearly loves his Boston Bruins. And I think him and Jack would obviously get along very well. I just think the national platform is not the right place for him uh, because he clearly has these comments um, that makes him very hard to listen to at, at, at points. I mean, almost. I'm not trying to compare him to Don Cherry, but sometimes he does say stuff like Don Cherry will say, of course, it's you know a different era and different time of hockey, so obviously times have changed, and some people just have to adjust to it. And just his comments, I personally think were a little over the top. And I, I mean, he clearly sees in his Ron. He decided to step away because he knows he said something he shouldn't have, and he doesn't want to risk doing that again. Because I think he's definitely going to be kept under the microscope if he's brought back. So I, I think him stepping away, um. Is probably the right call just for his own personal sanity. <laughs> and I don't mean that in the nicest way. Um, but for him, I think stepping away 
is good for himself so that way he doesn't make this mistake again well um, i i but, feel like him stepping away is more a way for him to save face and for the network oh, to yeah. figure out what to do with him because i don't truly believe that he sees the error in this isn't the first time that he's made comments directed at women and I don't, if he's given that opportunity again, I think that something like this would happen again only because he has the pattern of repeating his behaviors over and mm-hmm. over again. So, you know, I, I think this is more a way for him to save face than anything and for NBC to figure out what the hell to do with him. Yeah, they, they definitely got to figure out what's going to go on with him. I mean... Maybe he doesn't even return next year. Maybe he doesn't return under his own power or he waits for himself to get axed. We don't know what's going to happen, but whatever happens, happens. Should he work for NBC again? Probably not. I I, I mean, compared to what Ronick did, um, I, I mean, obviously what Ronick did and said was not good at all. Um, I think what Ronick said, you can argue with with me on this. I think what Ronick said was far worse, honestly. Um, but I mean, both of them are going to be punished accordingly. Um, so I just think this whole situation, um, you know, what we talked about for a while, obviously, and we and people need to make sure that something like this never happens again on a national platform. Because you, if you give someone a microphone and two minutes of airtime. They're going to say something stupid at some point. I said stupid things, but I would never cross the line of making a sexist comment or, you know, calling some player out. I would never, ever think of doing that. So whatever NBC does with Millbury, you know, it's totally up to them. We we obviously don't get a say in it, but again, it's totally up to NBC and Mike at this point again you make the bed that you lay on you make these comments you're you're going to have to uh you're going to have to live with it and that's that's just the way it is for him uh before we move on into the um into our review of round one and preview of round two something interesting happened over the weekend involving mark andre Fleury and his agent and i know you've been gearing up to talk about this <laughs> since it happened um for those that are not aware, Mark Andre Fleury has a um, has an agent by the name of Alan Walsh, who has been known to say some interesting stuff at times. And on Saturday, on his private Twitter account, put up a picture depicting Fleury with a so a bloody sword, mind you, going through his chest with DeBoer written on the shaft of the sword to indicate that DeBoer stabbed his goaltender in the back after naming Leonard the starter for game one. And we haven't heard from Marc-Andre Fleury up until just a couple of hours ago uh, in regards to uh, this tweet, which has now since been deleted because Marc-Andre has asked him to delete this. And there were people saying that Marc-Andre Fleury uh, okayed this tweet, which I find absolutely ludicrous. Um... If that's the situation, I would be shocked because that's not the kind of person Marc-Andre Fleury is. I mean, Amanda, I know you're a big Pittsburgh fan and you love yourself some Marc-Andre Fleury, <laughs> like really, really love him. Um, just this would not be something that Marc-Andre would Fleury 
would do, especially in the middle of getting ready for a second round series with the Canucks. And I, for Alan Walsh, this is a bad time to do this. Whether he gave you permission or not, which I highly doubt he did, you cannot put this up on social media and expect not to get, um, you know, not expect to have shit hit the fan. And clearly shit is hitting the fan. And, I mean, Fleury addressed the situation just a couple hours ago, insisting he's fine with the goaltending rotation, and he wanted to clear the air to make sure that there's no ill will in the locker room. And unfortunately, I can't help but feel like Alan, what Alan Walsh did is making Flurry look like a bad guy. There's people that think Flurry actually went through with this. I don't see it. It's ridiculous at this point. If anybody thinks that Marc-Andre Flurry gave permission to post something like this, I think you need to give your head a shake. because that's... Don't you think he would have said something in person to DeBoer that he wasn't happy with this? Absolutely. And you know what? Even today when he did address this situation, one of the things that he did say was, you know, of course he wants to play more. He he is considered the starting goalie for the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, this team has been, the foundation has been built around Flurry, And I think that you go into the playoffs Obviously, Fleury has had success in the playoffs uh, in years past. He's got a couple Stanley Cups to his name. Um, you know, of course, he wants to play. Any player who is part of a team wants to play the game. Now, you're in a situation where Robin Leonard has played very well for your team. So you're riding the wave. Now, there's also a lot of talk. I think a lot of this came out because... Um, what prior to this tweet, there was uh, obviously some information going around about you know who was projected to be the starter for for game one against Vancouver because Marc Andre Fleury, I believe, has not lost to the Vancouver Canucks in fourteen starts. So the assumption I think from maybe Fleury's camp of people was that Fleury was going to start this game. Obviously, not the case. We've learned that now, uh, but. Marc-Andre Fleury even said today to, you know, when he did address this, that, you know, he, his agent is a very passionate person. Uh, and I think it was his way of defending me in that situation, but he didn't agree with the, the post and it was not the right time to be doing it. I'm not saying that you can't post something like this. I'm just saying that there's a right and a wrong time. And this mm. was absolutely the wrong time to be posting this. Uh, we have seen, Marc-Andre Fleury take a backseat in the playoffs before, uh, you know, with the 2017 Pittsburgh Penguins team that won the Stanley Cup. Matt Murray came in and now Fleury was not playing the very best hockey of his career in those couple of games before Matt Murray came in and took over. Uh, I believe there was also an injury of some sort. You know, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of factors that went into that. But you know what? When you have a guy like Matt Murray coming in, and he's hot, and he is winning hockey games for your hockey club, and the Stanley Cup is on the line, you're going to go with what's working. And right now, the Vegas Golden Knights think that Robin Leonard is the the correct goalie to put between the pipes for game one against Vancouver. If it backfires, they know they have flurry. Uh, I think that this has been 
blown out of proportion. Uh, I think his agent was absolutely wrong in posting that. There is, there's no question. Um, he did ask him to, to delete it, take it down. It, it has been taken down. But the thing about social media and the lovely world of the internet is that we know that that never really goes away. Uh, Once you post it, it's up there forever. It is up there forever. Uh, So as much as it's been taken down, you know, Fleury even said, I've talked to my teammates. I've talked to Robin, wanted to clear the air. I'm yes, of course, I want to play more, but I'm here to support my team and we are going to do whatever it takes to win. And, And that that's the Marc Andre Fleury that we have seen over the years and over his career. Uh, it just seems to be who he is. He is such mm-hmm. an easygoing, level-headed guy. Loves to have fun. Loves to joke around. Going to be one of the biggest jokesters you've ever played with if you have the <laughs> opportunity to play with. <laughs> You know, the, the stories of the pranks that he used to play back in Pittsburgh, and he's continued that in Vegas. But, uh, yeah. you know, he this is a guy that just loves to play the game of hockey. And he is also the guy that has been in, like I said, in this exact same situation before with Matt Murray. This is all too familiar for him. And he was there and supporting his teammates as they went on to win the Stanley Cup. And that is the goal for Vegas as well. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I want to emphasize this. Marc-Andre Fleury is probably my favorite goalie in the NHL, not just because of what he's accomplished on the ice, but he is such a funny guy. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen the Apple commercial multiple oh, yeah. times <laughs> with him and Mark Stone. It, it cracks me up every freaking time, whether it's the short version or the long version of the commercial, it's freaking hilarious. And it, sh- and it shows the fun side of, of Mark Andre Fleury and the fact that people would think that he is a bad enough person to post to give permission to his agent to post something like this is absolute ludicrousy. Yeah, it, it really is. It really, really is. And you know what that commercial? I love that commercial. Every time it comes on, you know, Colby will be like, Mom, this is such a great commercial. I'm like, right? Like that's exactly who he is, though. And then that's just, you know, part of uh, of Mark Andre Fleury and you know how he behaves on and off the ice and yeah you know what I even now I'm looking up some of these pranks that they uh, you know anything from hanging up uh, rookies you know clothes from the ice like above the glass uh, you know the classic unscrewing of the Gatorade bottles and hoping to soak you know a teammate. Um, I believe there was one prank one time that he did when he was in Pittsburgh where he took all of the furniture out of their hotel room and put it in like basically in the elevator um, like lobby where you come off the elevators. Uh, You know, even when he went to Vegas, Vegas used basically Marc-Andre Fleury as a way to promote the team because of that you know, prankster mentality and, and what he could bring to the city and people absolutely adore him. And I think that, uh, this is just a bad judgment call by a passionate, um, agent. And I think it was just done at the wrong time. I I honestly, if it had been done at the end of this season, after everything is played out, or if Vegas was no longer in the playoffs at this point, uh, I could see it being a 
potential like okay yes it's it's definitely borderline but i'm okay with it i just now is not the right time Mm-mm. Mm-mm. really really bad timing and um there were people calling for mark uh to fire this guy um, I was one of them that said fire this this bum after you you post something like this and that should get you fired whether you have permission or not to do it um, you shouldn't do it in the middle of a playoff push <laughs> especially with the team that you have right now this team has a really legitimate shot at the cup this is terrible terrible timing um, Allen's definitely got to be careful with what he says from now on because Clearly, after this, there's definitely um, a strike above his name, um, and he's probably going to be on uh, Flurry's shit list for a little mm-hmm. while. So we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. But this whole situation is really terrible timing. It makes Mark Andre Flurry look like a terrible person, even though he's clearly not because he's a good old Canadian boy. Um, but this whole thing is just freaking ridiculous. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say ridiculous, but the fact that this happened is ridiculous yeah. because this shouldn't have happened in the first place. And if anything else happens out of this, if Alan does something like this again, which I don't think he will, then there's a good chance that he's going to lose a very, very valuable client. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that Mark Andre keeps him as an agent um, I think that there's going to be some discussions that are had, uh, you know, behind some closed doors between him and Alan. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that he keeps him as an agent. Uh, like Marc-Andre Fleury said, he's a passionate guy. He wants the best for him. And he has a history of, of making comments fueled by passion for his players that he uh, is an agent for. And I think that... His timing just needs a little bit of tweaking on this. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. big time. Oh, big time. Uh, all right, Amanda, let's move into the last part of this episode. And it, of course, is our review and preview of the respected round one and round two matchups. Uh, let's get to our review of round one. Of course, we made our predictions back before this all started. Uh, we now know the outcome of our picks we both went 6 for 16 in our picks. And the way I marked it down, for those that don't remember, is I marked uh, the way I marked the predictions was the winner of the series and how long the series would run. So I individually marked those as one point each. Uh, myself and Amanda were 6 for 6. Um, I got 6 out of 8 um, of the series winner predictions correct. But in terms of the duration... I did not come even close to getting a single one. The Knights came damn close to sweeping the Blackhawks, but they had to screw it up in Game 4. The Flames dropped the biggest goose egg I've ever seen in my life. Uh, The Canucks finished the series a lot earlier. Amanda, on the other hand, had a pretty decent amount of picks. Unfortunately, Amanda, you were wrong with Montreal, uh, Chicago, the Capitals, and the Hurricanes, but... Your redeeming factor was picking the Avalanche to win that series. They didn't win it in six like you and I predicted, but they won the series. You picked the Canucks to win in five. They won in six, so we both picked uh, five and seven respectively. But you went a perfect two for two 
twice, picking the Lightning in five and the Stars in six. And for that, I must applaud you. <laughs> um, and, and looking back on these picks, obviously, um, I made the most correct series winners, but you, of course, got the most duration of series predictions correct. And looking back on our picks, do you have any remorse <laughs> in your picks? Because for me personally, I do regret picking the Hurricanes, but going into that series, they were personally, in my opinion, the better team. But when Sveshnikov got hurt, I told you right away, I'm like, this team's fucking, this team's done. Yeah. This team is done. And and then, again, Calgary drops a ginormous goose egg. They blew, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into into game uh, the game where they got eliminated in a moment. But do you have any remorse in your picks? Because for me, I do have remorse in a couple. But otherwise, I feel like I did okay. I think you did okay too, but I want to get your opinion on our picks from round one. I definitely one. should have picked Vegas over the Blackhawks. Uh, I just thought with the way that the Blackhawks <laughs> played in the qualifier that that would carry them into this series because, man, they scored a lot of goals in that in that qualifier. And coming into play Ooh. against Vegas, I thought that that was going to work to their advantage. Uh, and that was why I picked, you know, Chicago in six. And that really didn't go as planned um <laughs> uh to say the least i also thought that um montreal was going to pull it out against philly uh they came they close they came real they close did. um jeff actually said to me <laughs> one night when we were watching game five i believe uh he goes are you okay i'm like yeah i'm fine why he goes you're, you're cheering for montreal <laughs> you know that they were the ones that put out Pittsburgh. I'm like, shut your mouth. I don't want to hear about it right now. <laughs> Focused on right now. But I, I did want to see Montreal win that series because for me, Carey Price was just outstanding in the qualifiers and, and leading his Incredible. team into this series. Now, it, to me, this was all heart. And um, Philly you know, took advantage uh, of their exceptional goaltending that they were getting. And, uh, you know, in the lineup when they were shaking hands and you've got a guy that looks up to Carey Price and he was his favorite goaltender, you know, growing up, like, good Lord, first of all, one, that makes you feel old. And two, like, <laughs> what an honor, right? And I think that, um, yeah. I think that Philadelphia is going to have a bit of a harder time in, in the second round, but, uh, I think those are my only two regrets. As far as Dallas, I just want to say that I nailed that one uh, because mm -hmm. you were like, no, Calgary's winning this. This is for sure the Flames. And I'm like, no, nope, I think Dallas has got this in six. And Dallas had it in six. So I'm. Well, I was basing it off the yeah. qualifiers because this Dallas team was freaking atrocious in qualifiers. And then here they come scoring goals out yeah. of their ass. Yeah, they barely squeaked out of the qualifiers. Like. They're so yeah, lucky. I, I think that this, uh, the, and uh, we got to talk about the game, obviously, uh, last night, Dallas and, and Vancouver. No, let's, but let's like, get into that okay. right now. Let, let's get into it now. Because, I, and I texted you through throughout this comeback that Dallas put on. I will give credit where credit is due. Hell of a performance from Dallas in that game. Obviously a must win when you're up in the series. And the way you came back, 
and scored seven unanswered goals to win the hockey game and the series is got is so damn impressive. But for Calgary on the other end of it to blow the game the way they did and just throw in the towel and not give a damn is a damn embarrassment. And I, I texted you as soon as it was 3-3, I said this team is going to lose this damn yeah. game. This team is going to blow it in the most embarrassing way possible. And there's a gif of Chuck going around saying, F this, yeah. I'm out. Because this team just laid a ginormous goose egg after blowing that 3 nothing lead. Yeah. How the hell do you go about doing that? Like, you give up seven unanswered goals and with... <laughs> With this forward core, this forward core is good, but that goaltending in defense is a damn joke. Yeah. Talbot and Riddick have no damn business being starting goaltenders, let alone fridge starting goaltenders. And to think that Calgary won that Mike Smith and Cam Talbot trade but still get embarrassed in the first round is mind-blowing to me. And this... <laughs> I get this is 2020, and it's a really screwed-up year and a screwed-up playoffs, but you could not have told me that not only were the Stars going to win this series in six, but they would come back from a 3 nothing deficit to score seven unanswered and embarrass Calgary in their own province. When Dallas was down 3 nothing in the series, I'm like, huh. Man, I really botched <laughs> that pick, too. <laughs> and then they won, and they won again. And they won again. And then obviously, you know, it, or t- sorry, two nothing in this series. That makes sense, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did I expect Dallas to come back? No, I did not. Uh, this, not in no, that way. Absolutely not. And, you know, <laughs> that Kachuk uh, gift that's going around, I mean, I think that's every Calgary Flame fan, you know, right there summed up. And, that was my reaction. I was ready to flip my yeah, table. The frustration and what happened. What the yeah, hell, man? What happened? Uh, but I think that Dallas just figured out a way to get it done and took advantage of the cracks that were starting to show in the Calgary Flames lineup and capitalized on it. And that's the difference between going home and playing golf and going to the second round. And I mean, that's good for Dallas because that really gets your ball rolling and you're doing this without Ben Bishop, which is freaking impressive in my honest opinion. And (laughs) I personally, um, I think that Colorado is going to have a really big problem on their hands. And we learned that. Um, last night, which we'll get into in our round two segment of this. Um, um, (laughs) It's it's still mind-blowing to me that the Stars came back the way they did after being down not only in the series, but then come back and win game six to eliminate the Flames the way they did is pretty damn impressive. But you think of the other side of it, what the hell's next for the Calgary Flames? There are people saying that you need to blow up this forward core. And I personally agree. Goudreau was invisible for the last few playoffs, not just this year, but the last few playoffs. Get Monaghan the hell out of uh, Calgary. What's next for Mark Giordano? Blow up the goaltending because it's absolute dog crap. 
what happens next for this Calgary group moving forward? Because you cannot tell me that this group is going to get you back into the playoffs next year after laying that giant, absolute, massive elven done of a pile of a game six. I think that this is a team that, you know, has to go back to the drawing board and and really kind of establish where this team wants to go. Because like you said, I think it's time to kind of blow up that forward core group um, as it stands because it this isn't a lineup that is going to get you to where you want to be. Um, and I think that a big shakeup is necessary, uh, especially following, obviously, what happened in, in Game 6 because this was Calgary's series to lose and they lost it. Mm-hmm. They blew it. <laughs> it straight up blew it, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm surprised that this happened. Um, I'm disappointed it happened because I've had people that message me saying, "Boy, the Flames sure, uh, sure don't know how to rebuild." I said, uh, "The Toronto Maple Leafs would like to talk to you." Um, <laughs> I mean, Calgary has been rebuilding for the last few years. Um. This team should have made it past the first round considering how Dallas played, but clearly losing Makachuk was a huge piece to why their offense lacked, but that doesn't excuse how awful their defense and goaltending was in this series. So there's a lot of soul-searching that's going to be happening with this Flames front office. There's obviously going to be changes. You know, Do you trade the former uh, Holby Baker award winner? Do you trade Johnny Hockey? I, I personally think they do. You send him to a team where he can either flourish or just do or just do nothing in Calgary because right now he's not done a hell of a lot for Calgary over the last couple of years. Um, do you trade Sean Monahan? Do you trade the guy that was helping turn your team uh, the corner? I don't know. Does it happen? I don't know. Should it happen? Again, I don't know. It, there, there's a lot of questions that are going to need answers. Um, but for Calgary, they definitely need to make some moves, whether it's behind the bench or on the ice or even in front office. Do whatever you can to get this team relevant again because clearly the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames are almost a lot alike in terms of playoff success over the last couple of years. Um, but... For Calgary moving forward, there, there's got to be a change coming. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Amanda, but I feel the change coming with this team. I don't know in what regard it's going to be, but I, I get the feeling it's not going to be a good change. Uh, but let's finish the show with the uh, preview of the second round. Now, of course, the second round action was to get underway yesterday, which of course was Saturday. Regardless, if Philadelphia did finish up their series with Montreal, round two was going to commence on Saturday. Round two is now officially underway, and we have the rest of our matchups. And, of course, you and I have made our predictions. We'll break them down one by one as quickly as we possibly can. Um, but uh, starting from the top, uh, we have, of course, the number one seed and the number six seed with the Flyers and the Islanders. Now, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting series that you brought up uh, with the Islanders taking on a Flyers team that barely squeezed by the Canadians. 
but I I mentioned to you that I personally think Philadelphia has one of the best, if not the most well-rounded team in the Eastern Conference and possibly the National Hockey League. And in my prediction, I personally think that the Flyers are going to emerge from this series in six. And again, for those that didn't see our predictions, head to our Twitter page, uh, twitter.com slash deepgeekspod. Uh, we've made our predictions. They're officially official. We can't change anything. I myself picked the Flyers in six. Amanda, um, you made your pick, and I'll let you say uh, what your pick was and why you th- are going with your pick. I picked uh, the Flyers also, but I did pick them in seven. I think that this series has the ability to go that full seven. And the reason I'm saying that is because the New York Islanders have have really surprised me. Uh, And I think that Philly and how they played in that final game uh, with Montreal shows the resiliency of that group and what they are capable of. And I think that um, that is going to carry them through this series. And that is why I picked Philly to come out in seven. And... Uh, I initially was going to pick the Flyers in five, but I think the series goes past five games. I pick six, you pick seven. Um, There's a good chance this series does go to seven. But again, I'll emphasize this. I personally think the Flyers are the most well-rounded team in the National Hockey League. Great offense, great defense, and of course, Carter Hart, who is stealing the show in these playoffs. Uh, he's emerging as one of the next best goaltenders in this league. He, people are already considering him to be the best goaltender in the league at this point. Um, and they're going up against an Islanders team that is loaded up front very offensively. And Semyon Varlamov is having an amazing season. But for me, the Islanders lack a little bit defensively, which I think is going to be their Achilles heel going into this matchup with the Flyers, and that's why I personally think that the Flyers will finish this one one game sooner than you predicted. And you know what? I I love your comment about Carter Hart, and he reminds me of the Jordan Bainton from last season. He reminds me of the Matt Murray from, you know, two or three seasons ago. This is a guy that is playing the very best hockey of his life right now, And the Flyers are going to ride that for as long as they can. And they hope that they can make it to, you know, the the finals and be the team from the East. And we'll have to obviously uh, wait and see for that series to get started. It starts on Monday, which is tomorrow at 7 p.m. I'm looking forward to this series. I think it should be a very entertaining series. Uh, The other Eastern Conference series that will be happening is the Bruins and the Lightning. The Lightning are the number two seed uh, going into this, while the Bruins are the number four seed. That series gets underway tonight at 8 p.m., so in about three hours, three and a half hours' time, actually. And this one, you and I both agreed who's going to win this series, but yet again, we predict that this series is going to end differently. I, myself... Pick the Lightning to win this in seven games because I think this is going to be a tightly contested series. These are two teams that are loaded up offensively. They have loaded up defense and they quite frankly have a goaltending duo that's going to be very interesting. Now keep in mind, Boston does not have Tuka Rask, but they're playing very well without Tuka Rask. So I personally think the Lightning will come out of this, not because Rask is gone, but just because 
Tampa Bay exercised their demons, beating Columbus the way they did. Uh, they were able to get by them, and now they're into the second round. I think it might be easy pickings for them leading up to the conference final, whether they play the Islanders or Flyers. But just for me, I can't help but feel like Tampa Bay is going to make the push, but Boston's going to take them the whole way, but will fall short. Amanda, who do you have to win the Tampa-Boston series? I also picked Tampa uh, in six, so one game um, less than you. Uh, now, this series, I, I want to touch on the Tuka Rask thing because we talked about this at length uh, last week during the podcast, and you know there was a lot of speculation as to why Rask uh, left the club. Uh, it has come out that there was a medical emergency at home with one of his daughters. Uh, so, you know what? all the power to Tuka Rask for, for making that decision and doing, I think what pretty much every father would do in that situation is get up and, and walk away from what you, what you love for whom you love. And I, I totally respect that. So just wanted to make mention of that. But the interesting part about this series is that Tampa Bay is going to start this series without their captain, Steven Stamkos, who is going to be out for game one. Uh, who knows if he plays in game two as of yet, but all we know right now is that he is out for game one. So is that an opportunity for Boston to capitalize on, on the team not having their leader? Absolutely. Do they need to take advantage of it? Absolutely. Uh, but I do see Tampa coming out of this in six. And, and uh, again, both of our predictions are very close to one another, uh, being one game apart. I just think Boston will take it further because even though they had a really lackluster uh, qualifier around Robin, whatever you want to call it, much like Dallas, along comes the Hurricanes and they embarrass them. Not just because Feshnikov is out, but they just outperform them in every sense. Halak's starting to emerge back into that old Halak we've seen in Montreal. He's really starting to really put his foot in the door and really help contribute to this Boston Bruins team who, of course, loses to Karask, which is a huge blow. But with that, I I think Boston has a good chance in this series, but I just think the one game for the Lightning is going to be the edge, especially if Stamkos does come back. Whether he's 100% healthy or not, it, it really might decipher on this series, in my opinion. But I just think Tampa Bay is going to be tested to the limit and I think this series goes the distance, but I personally think Tampa is going to take this series uh, within seven games. And, I mean, Amanda, relatively, our series picks are pretty close to one another. Uh, it's it's a it's a bit different in the Western Conference, which we'll move to next. Um, but already, one of my picks is not looking so good. Let's start with that one. Let's go to Colorado-Dallas. Now, this series started last night and was not a great start for Colorado. It was very, very back and forth. And then something happened in the middle of the game with Philip Grubauer. Um, uh, I believe Grubauer may be questionable to be in net for game two, but the Avalanche went on to lose this game five to three, despite it being back and forth. Um, just a better game from the Dallas Stars overall, again, without Ben Bishop. Uh, with Grubauer being injured in the second period, I really think that decided who was going to win this game, and rightfully so, going to the Dallas Stars. Um, 
And my pick was Colorado to take this in five, and right now it's not looking good because you got to win four games in a row, especially against a Dallas team that has, um, you know, Tyler Sagan, Mac. You got Jamie Ben, Alex Radulov, Rupe Hintz, Miro Heiskinen, um, and uh, I just I'm losing my train of thought here because I'm so baffled with what happened last night. Um, but I mean, you know, even Blake Como was getting into it. Um, Alexiak was having a good game as well. Just this, this Colorado team was dominant in the first round. It's, it's beyond me how Arizona even made the first round of the playoffs, to be honest, but clearly grew without Grubauer, this team plays differently. Um, and I'll let you get to your pick and why, but without Grubauer, our picks already are not looking very good. I think I think our picks got blown up yesterday <laughs> for this series. Uh, I also picked the Avalanche, and I picked them in six. Uh, as much as momentum, I think, was going to Dallas coming into this series based on how they finished their, their last uh, series, I think that the Avs are just a better, well-rounded team. And I think that um, the Avs we're going to come out of this, you know, on the other end of this and, and most likely play the Knights uh, in the conference finals. Now, with that being said, uh, it's too bad we couldn't make our picks after the game. <laughs> wouldn't count. <laughs> Last night, but wouldn't that count? Um, you know, this is this is definitely not a situation that you want to see. Uh, Grubauer is not uh, fit to play in game two. Uh, so he is not going on Monday night. He is going to be replaced uh, by a goaltender who has played, I believe, three playoff games in his entire career. Uh, so you are taking a huge hit as a hockey club. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully Grubauer can get back in playing shape for game three. Um, being that they were already very quick to make that statement that he is going to be unfit to play in game two. Uh, and this was, I believe yesterday that this came out. In fact, it was. Uh, so to me, that says that this may be something that the Colorado Avalanche are going to have to deal with, you know, for possibly more than just one game. Uh, Dallas did what Dallas needed to do yesterday. And again, it was, you know, I talked about it in the Calgary series where you see cracks in the lineup happening and you're taking advantage of them. And they took advantage of what happened yesterday and were able to run with that. And and they were the ones that came out with a win in game one. I think the Dallas Stars shocked the Colorado Avalanche yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that moving forward, um, there's going to be a lot more work that the Avs are going to have to put in if they want to come out of this series in, you know, Five, like you said, and that's winning four straight in a row or six, which is what my prediction was. Um, Interestingly enough, the NHL.com is also running a poll for who's going to win uh, this series. And they have 16 people that are making their predictions and only one person out of 16 chose Dallas to win this series. So Colorado is heavily favored in this series, but you can't predict what could have been or what did happen yesterday. And 
you know, I think it's just fitting with 2020 and it's just like, okay, we got to roll with it. Like this is what's going on. And unfortunately this couldn't have come at a worse time for Colorado, but they have no choice but to rally as a team and, and string together some wins and, and make this a series. And again, you mentioned um, how Colorado are, how's Colorado going to come out in game two and respond because again, it was a back and forth game, but without your starting goaltender, you have to go right back to the drawing board and, you know, readjust how you're going to play. Cause like you mentioned, Paolo Francis has only played a handful of games in his playoff career, but he has played for the majority of the regular season, which does help. So you're not putting in a, a considerably cold goaltender but clearly not one that has had a lot of playoff experience or success for that matter so going into game two I don't know how Colorado is going to respond I'm still going to favor them in this series but if Grubauer doesn't come back it could spell the end of the season for Colorado and again they've been heavily favored since um the playoffs have officially started uh and for this Avalanche team, when you look at all the players that load up this team, I mean, Nathan McKinnon is a superstar. And the way he's been playing, not just in the qualifiers, but right now, he is just unbelievable. And he's got the supporting cast to go with it, the emergence of Kale McCarr in the blue line, and again, Grubauer having a great season. There's people that argue this is mediocre goaltenders on a stacked roster, while that part could possibly be true, I just personally think that this team is well-rounded enough to get far. But without Grubauer, you're running into a ginormous problem, and it's going to make you scratch your head for a while. And until you know what his timeline is going to be, you have to readjust your team to be prepared for Pavel Francis and what he brings to the table, especially against a Dallas Stars team that's finally starting to find their offensive mojo again. Absolutely. And I think that Nathan McKinnon needs to be the absolute beast that he is in this series because this is going to be a tough, tough series, I think, for Colorado, especially given, obviously, with uh, Grubar going down to injury. Um, I think Nathan McKinnon just needs to be Nathan McKinnon playing his best hockey. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I was lucky enough to get to see an Az game this year in Buffalo and McKinnon, you can't help but be fixated on him when he's on the ice because he is just so strong on the puck and the creativity that he has as a player. And, you know, he's skating and you can see when you're looking at him, like, okay, this guy just sees the ice so well. He's thinking, you know, beyond just, okay, where's the puck going in this situation? Okay, I've already got this play laid out in my mind, and he's executing on it every single time. Like, he was unreal that game. And uh, he's one of those players that you can't help but gravitate towards to want to watch and be like for young players that are coming up through the system because this guy just, man, he is strong on the puck Mm -hmm. and he is a force and right now when they're you know in some way Colorado probably feels like their backs are against the wall at this point yes it's only one game in but when you lose your goaltender that you've been you know riding through at the playoffs 
this becomes a situation where you kind of feel like you're boxed up against the wall and now what? Well, now what needs to happen is Nathan McKinnon needs to come out and, and be Nathan McKinnon and just take over and, you know, not just him, but I, I'm using him as, as the prime example because he is the leader on that hockey club and he needs to lead his team in game two. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how Colorado comes out to answer and we'll find out tomorrow night. So it'll be interesting. Uh, the final series and the final talking point of this episode will be the other Western Conference uh, matchup here in round two. It is the Vegas Golden Knights and the Vancouver Canucks, the battle of the towns that begin with V. So it'll be interesting uh, to see how this series plays out. It gets started tonight. That'll be the night cap game uh, after uh, the Eastern Conference matchup between uh, the Bruins and the Lightning. Now, Amanda, you and I actually happen to agree on this uh, on this series. We both said the Knights in six. Now, I'll give my reason before I ask for yours. Uh, Vegas, again, I personally think is the best team in the Western Conference at this point. While Colorado is very well-rounded, the way this Vegas team has been playing this season especially with uh, how their goaltending has been going. And we talked about this earlier with the whole Mark andre situation. Um, just this team clicks and they play so well together. And realistically, going forward, I picked Vegas and Philly to go to the final. And I'm still going to stick to that. Um, but they're going to have a tough test in front of them with the Vancouver Canucks. And again, they knocked out the Stanley Cup champion. So we're going to see a new Stanley Cup champion, which is exciting. And it's the 20th time in 21 seasons that this is going to be a season where we see a new Stanley Cup champion crowd without consecutive champions. So going forward, while the Canucks are probably Canada's team, I don't think they're going to match up against this Vegas team and I don't think it's going to work for Vancouver. Now, we could be proven very much wrong, because we have been proven wrong in round one, but I just can't help but feel like I'm gravitating towards this Vegas team, thinking that this team is going to go the distance and really do some damage. Now, while the series we both think is going to end in six, I just think the offense is more there for Vegas. The defense is a bit of a question mark, but again, Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury have been a solid one-two punch in terms of goaltending. And I just think it's going to be very overwhelming for Vancouver. I think if there is any series that we could see an upset in, I actually think it could happen in this series. So, yes, we've both picked Vegas. Uh, We both picked them in six. But I think that the Canucks are really going to... um, embrace the role of underdog because they are the underdog coming into this series. There's no question. And nobody even thought at the beginning of this season that the Vancouver Canucks were going to be in a position where they were even going to make the playoffs this season, Mm -hmm. let alone find themselves in a position where they have knocked out the Stanley cup champions from last, last year. Uh, That's a huge Testament to this, this group of guys and this young group of guys because this is a young Vancouver Canucks team there is a lot of hope for their future as a team and you know people are talking about the Vancouver Canucks in in two years from now in four years from now where they're going to be and how these guys are going to mature and and the development of their players but it's happening right now and 
this is a team because nobody thought that they were even going to get to this point. This is a team that is playing and having a hell of a time playing right now. They're having a lot of fun. They are a team that is uh, a very tight knit group of people. And because that dressing room outside of those four walls of that dressing room, nobody gave them a shot. Yeah. And coming in and playing that underdog role, I think is the perfect place for the Vancouver Canucks, because I think that this is going to be a challenging series for Vegas. Uh, because I think Vancouver is going to come out really strong. You know, Bo Horvat said, this is, a, this is a team that really nobody believed in except for us. Mm-hmm. And we believe in what we're doing. Uh, obviously, knocking off Stanley Cup champions from last year, although a team that just did not live up in the playoffs was the St. Louis Blues, but not to discredit the work that the Vancouver Canucks did in, in that series. But I think that this is going to be of the of the series that are you know in the second round. I think this is going to be the best series to be watching. So if you're going to pick one series to watch, I would recommend watching this one. I think it's going to be uh, a great series, and I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it too. And while the Canadian side in me is obviously rooting for the Canucks, I just think that this is going to be a bit of an overwhelming series for them, and I just think Vegas. He's going to be the better team coming out of this. Now, again, we've been proven wrong in our picks in round one, and that could very well happen here. Uh, but just you think of the teams that obviously had great regular season success. Um, on paper, you would think they move on and go as far as they can go. But, of course, there are those underdog teams that come up and just all of a sudden just bust your bracket right away. And, I mean, Vancouver could very well be that team but again, me and Amanda are going to stand behind our picks, and we both think Vegas is going to win this in six. Well, it would be nice to see Vancouver finally get back to the conference final for the first time um, since their one Stanley Cup run against the Bruins. I, I just think Vegas you know, has emerged as great contenders ever since they entered this league. They're still contenders to this day. Now, if they don't win this series, or even win the Cup for that matter of fact, I think they're going to go into rebuild mode. Uh, because I just don't think you can keep the same core for so many years. So I personally think the series is going to be make or break for Vegas. If you win this series, you move onto a conference final where you're going to take on either Colorado and Dallas, and that alone is going to be tough as hell. But if you lose, you go to the drawing board because, one, you fired Gerard Gallant to bring Peter DeBoer in, to try and mix this team up and see how far it can get you while it has worked. Is the board really your future, you know, coach to take you to the promise line? I just don't see it. And then next year, you know, what happens to this goaltending tandem? What happens to Robin Leonard? What happens to Mark Andre Fleury for that matter, especially with what happened this weekend? I, I obviously we can't predict what's going to happen in the future, but I just think our picks are locked and obviously we can't change anything. I want Vancouver to win this series, but because of my picks, I need Vegas to do this because I we need them to prove that they are as good as they say they are and have proven that they are. So we'll wait and see what happens because that series gets underway. <laughs> that series gets underway tonight and I personally cannot wait for it. 
Neither can I. Uh, but first and foremost, the Raptors game is on first, and they could finish their series. So mm-hmm. it could be a really great night. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a very good night for Canadian uh, for Canadian sports. Um, so Amanda, we have our picks locked in. Uh, we we've made our decisions. There's no going back on this. Uh, I'm excited to see how this works out, but already the Calgary Dallas pick has me freaking worried as hell. I don't know how this is going to work out. I hope Colorado can bounce back, but four straight games, I think it's going to be tough, but I don't know about you, but I'm fairly confident in the rest of my picks. I, I You know what? I'm going to say I'm confident. I'm less confident than I was <laughs> to start. <laughs> you know, 2020, the year where you just throw it up in the air and see where things fall, honestly, uh, you know, it's impossible to predict anything in 2020 at this point. Um but I, I'm going to say that I am confident in my picks. I, I think that they are going to pull through. And uh, we're in for an awesome second round of NHL playoff hockey. And, uh, again, hockey that matters in August is pretty damn cool. It's pretty it's pretty damn special. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the uh, Deakies Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for your continued support. Uh, and before we go... Uh, please, we implore you, please visit HowardChuckStrawn.com. Please make a donation. Again, it starts as low as $10. I've already placed my order. I did it in the middle of this recording. I've got some stuff on the way. It's it's totally worth the investment. It's not only to honor the life of Dale Howardchuck, but help uh, with trying to rid of cancer from this world because... This has just taken so many important people from us, and this cannot keep going. We need to do. We need to do the research. We need to get find the money for this and make this possible to get rid of cancer once and for all. So please visit howardchuckstrong.com. Make a donation. Buy some merch. It's all going towards a great cause. Um, and you know, again, if you are. Uh, if you or someone you know is suffering from cancer or even from the death of Dale Howardchuck, please do reach out to someone. Uh, I mean, I myself reached out to a lot of people. I, Of course, Amanda, I reached out to you about it. Uh, you and I talked about it, especially at the beginning of the show. It was very hard for us to hold our emotions back. Uh, but I just think, you know, we had to start the show the way we did and we had to talk about it because... Um, Again, Howard Chuck had an impact on a lot of people, and I just think this is a good way for us to remember the person that he was by giving back um, for what he's done and giving uh, money in order to do research into trying to rid cancer of the world. So I, I hope that this resonates with a lot of people. I hope they do the same thing that you and I did, and I really hope that people can help us end cancer once and for all. Absolutely. And like you said, go to howardchuckstrong.com. You know, you can make a donation if you don't want to purchase anything, just make a donation. They've made it really simple for you to be able to do that. Uh, And please don't think that if it's $5 that you have, it's not making a difference. Every dollar counts. And I think that that is the message that needs to be spread right now is that it doesn't matter if you've got $5 or $500 to put towards this. Every dollar counts. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting a few things, uh, supporting an incredible initiative, uh, because even in the darkest of days, the mission was 
to spread joy and awareness and use a platform for good. And I commend that every single day. And uh, we'll definitely be sporting some Howard Chuck Strong gear in the very near future. Yeah, I know I will for sure. I'm excited for my stuff to come in. Um, again, please visit HowardChuckStrong.com. Make a donation. Do your part and help uh, not only uh, honor the life of arguably one of the best players of all time, uh, but try to help with cancer research and hopefully all together we can uh, get rid of this thing once and for all. But again, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, this was a hard episode, honestly, for me to have to do. And again, Amanda, I told you, I, I, I almost didn't want to record this episode, but I feel like we'd be doing a disservice not to record it. So I'm, I'm glad we went through it. I'm glad you talked me into doing this. Um, and hopefully we did our part and, you know, hopefully we can help uh, people try to not only support a great organization, but support a great person. So I, I think this is probably my favorite episode so far. Uh, while it was really emotional, um, I, I, I think this episode is probably already in my favorites. There you go. And you know what? I think we did the right thing. I, uh, you know, talking about it and, and sharing stories and I think that uh, the memory and the legacy that he leaves behind will last forever. And I can't think of a better way to end on that note, but to say so long, we'll see you soon. Yeah. Uh, everybody, please do take care of yourself. Um, and again, please visit Howard Stark, uh, Howard Chuck and, and help, um, help honor the life of an amazing person and an amazing player. Um, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Um, and once again, Dale, uh, you know, if you're listening up this in the big ring of the sky, thank you for everything you've done for hockey. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can't, I can't say it enough. Um, and again, until we see you again, Dale, may God, uh, bless your soul forever. Um, and hopefully we'll see you again soon.